The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. Back with our usual late week episode. I'm DJ Short and I'm joined here as always by Drew Silva. We're going to start out with a bunch of notable injury situations. There's a ton of them to get to and finish with some waiver wire talk, but we have some other stuff in between like Jimmy Nelson finally closing in on a return to the Brewers and some closer notes. With that out of the way, Drew, I want to ask you a question right from the jump here. If Glaber Torres played a full 162-game schedule exclusively against the Orioles, how many home runs do you think he would hit? Is this a riddle? <laughs> it's not. It's a, just a factual. <laughs> um, I think he would probably hit at least 162. <laughs> <laughs> Does that add up? Well, he's. I, I. he was on the bench Thursday. He did come off the bench, and I think he... Did he draw a bases loaded walk or something? Oh no, he had he had a single in the center field. I think. Yeah, that's Remember. right. Yeah, um, so he's hit ten home ten of his twelve homers against the Orioles this season in just twelve games. So you know you project that out. I mean, it's going to be over right, hundred. So, yeah, so like hundred and thirty maybe. Maybe <laughs> I gave him too much credit. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you could say the same thing for like. Joey Gallo, or you know, name the slugger in baseball, Nolan Arenado. Uh, and by the way, the Orioles are coming to Coors Field this weekend, so that is yeah, gonna... that's that's a hazard for fans. Honestly. Yes, <laughs> so that's going to be really interesting. Make sure you have some Rockies in your lineup this weekend. Uh, you know, season long leagues, if you can do daily lineup changes, whatever the case may be, you got to get those guys in your lineup. Yeah, speaking of which. Charlie Blackman uh, left Thursday afternoon's game um, with it. It sounds like it's not too serious, a little calf issue. So he might actually miss that series. That's a um, But yeah, we've got a ton of injuries to get to. Um, yeah, go a kind for of, it. Yeah, awful one at the top of the show. Uh, Andrelton Simmons was diagnosed with a grade three sprain of his left or left ankle um, on Wednesday. He, he like lunged toward first base on, on Tuesday night while running out of ground ball and it just twisted. I think he might've made contact with, uh, twins reliever Taylor Rogers and it just, it did not look good. Um, grade three means a full tear of the ligament essentially. So we're talking about a really serious injury. I've seen eight to 12 weeks as a, as a suggested timetable. Um, there's nothing official yet from the angels on that end, other than optimism about Simmons healing powers. 
uh, which he does, you know, that, that does have some credence. He has made it back very quickly from other injuries in the past, one of them being an ankle injury uh, to his right foot. Uh, this one is to the left. Uh, but I think it's still a safe bet that that he'll be down for multiple months. Um, he's sort of a borderline fantasy guy, like a bit of power and a bit of speed. He had three homers, five steals, uh, nice RBIs and runs scored total in 46 games this season. But mostly his value as a player comes from his elite defense at shortstop. So if, if you did have him rostered, I think you could just go ahead and drop him. Uh, Louis Renhifo. Ren- uh, was called up from AAA Salt Lake in a corresponding roster move when Simmons was placed on the injured list Wednesday. And it looks like he's going to get regular playing time for a while, uh, whether at shortstop or second base. He's also played some third base. Um, he hasn't done much with the bat in, in a couple different st- stints at the major league level this season, but that's a pretty small sample size. And he had an 801 OPS with five home runs and three stolen bases in 26 games this season at AAA. He also stole 41 bases in 127 minor league games last year. So I think there's, you know, some deep league fantasy appeal there. Definitely a guy to target in AL only formats. Um, he should start almost every day with a lot of speed and, and maybe some decent power. Um, so if you're looking for someone to replace Simmons um, and you're in a deeper league, which if you own Simmons, you probably are in a deeper league. Um, I think Ren Hifo is actually a pretty good internal option there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another notable injury in the AL West, uh, athletic slugger Chris Davis. Of course, he suffered what was called a left hip contusion after he hit the sidewall while trying to make a catch in foul, te- foul territory. This was way back on May 5th. He's been in and out of the lineup since then and has even enjoyed some success at the plate during that time, but he was pulled from Tuesday's game after aggravating the injury on a swing. Just an obvious pain there when he was pulled from the game, but the A's have still resisted placing him on the injured list. The Athletics had an off day on Thursday. We're recording Thursday afternoon right now. So the A's just wanted to take some extra time to review an MRI before making a decision on Friday. It still seems likely he'll go on the IL, though, and the feeling is that this might actually be an oblique injury, uh, which you definitely don't want to hear. It's something that could knock him out for you know at least a couple of weeks. Um, so Davis's continued absence means more chances for guys like Mark Canna and Robbie Grossman, but also possibly Sky Bolt, who has been tearing up AAA this year. He was up briefly, uh, I believe earlier this month for, you know, less than a week, basically. Uh, so if Davis does indeed go on the IL, look out for Bolt in, in deeper formats. I think he can help you out there. Yeah, Bolt is already traveling, uh, or he's in Oakland with the A's, so I think that is going to happen on Friday. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of into Mark Canna. Um, you know, he's flashed good power in the past when he gets regular plate appearances. Already has seven home runs in 26 games this season, and only 18 of those were starts. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the A's like to mix and match and platoon guys. Um, they don't usually do that with Davis, but yeah, it could be kind of a rotation in that DH. Chad spot. Pinder, maybe too, who we've yep, talked about yep. before. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. If somebody gets hot, you know, they may end up getting a, a long leash there. Um, but hopefully, it's not too long before we see Davis back in the lineup. Yeah, uh, some pretty significant bullpen news came down Wednesday with Rockies closer Wade Davis landing on the injured list because of a left oblique strain. Um, it's a relatively minor strain, according to manager Bud Black. Um, so maybe he's ready in like two weeks. Uh, but oblique injuries can be tricky. 
Um, they don't always cooperate with the timetables that are initially predicted. Um, I would have guessed that the Rockies were going to do sort of a committee at closer in Davis's absence. Yeah. Um, but Black is a very traditional manager. He likes to have his relievers in, in designated roles, which is, you know, part of what made Davis a nice value in drafts uh, this spring, despite the, the poor ERA he had last year. Just lots of save opportunities there. Um, the Rocky, the closer of the Rockies always has a chance to, to lead the league in saves or at least be near the top of the leaderboard. Um, but Black said that Scott Oberg uh, is going to be the guy. Um, and he's still out there in 83% of Yahoo leagues as we record here on Thursday afternoon slash evening. Um, he's been pretty good this year. 1.77 ERA, only 13 strikeouts and 11 walks in 20 and a third innings. Um, so the ERA is good. The peripherals aren't great, but uh, should be should be getting a lot of save opportunities, especially with the Orioles coming to town, like I said. Um, Sengwon O oh probably would have been the fill-in closer. Um, like in a vacuum, but he's had a, a terrible first eight weeks, 16 earned runs allowed in 15 innings. Um, so go, go grab Oberg and, and hope that he can rein in the control a bit. Um, we'll get to a few more bullpen updates at the end of the show. Oberg had a great year last year um, and had really good control. So yeah. um, maybe it's a mechanical thing, who knows, but hopefully he gets on back uh, back on track there because if he doesn't figure that stuff out, I don't think that ERA is going to stay that low for long, especially pitching in Coors Field can be an unforgiving place. So, yeah, um, 12, 12 walks in 58 innings last year. Yep, exactly. He's almost he's one walk away from that total. Yep. So more Yankees injury news, another week, more injuries. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton first went down with a bicep strain in early April before it was revealed that he was also dealing with a shoulder issue, which required a cortisone shot. However, he felt well enough to finally go out on a minor league rehab assignment this past Monday. That stint was short-lived, though, as Stanton was pulled from his rehab assignment on Wednesday due to a left calf strain. It's unclear when the injury happened, though Yankees manager Aaron Boone noted that he was hit in the area by a pitch during batting practice. It doesn't seem like that would result in a calf strain, but um, that's what we have right now. Uh, either way, he's going to be shut down for 7 to 10 days, so his absence will now stretch into June at the very least. Tough news for the Yankees and fantasy owners, but his absence means more chances for Clint Frazier. Frazier was off to a great start prior to landing on the injured list about a month ago with a left ankle sprain. Uh, he's largely struggled since returning, but had a two-homer game against the Orioles on Tuesday. Everybody has two homer games against the Orioles, obviously. Uh, Frazier's had five homers against the Orioles this year, so hasn't done much against other teams. But I at least see more upside here than some of the other Yankee injury fill-ins, Kendrys Morales, Cameron Maben among them. Um, one other Yankees note, CC Sabathia was placed on the injured list Wednesday due to inflammation in his right knee. Of course, knee issues are nothing new for him. He actually has a degenerative degenerative condition in the knee he had a cleanup procedure on the knee last october so sabathia is going for treatment now in hopes that it won't be a lengthy absence it looks like the yankees are rolling with an opener to fill his spot this weekend but they should get james paxton back next week that's assuming all goes well in a simulated game on friday so not all bad news for the yankees yeah, Stanton's still owed like $254 million. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the Marlins do have to send the Yankees uh, $30 million if he doesn't opt out of his contract after 2020. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not, like, writing him off. You know, still has amazing raw power when he's healthy, and he should have that for a long time. But 
Yeah, these durability issues have kind of been a thing for him for a while. And even in the DH spot, it could be a struggle to get like 140 to 150 plus games from him, you know, every year moving forward, just three games this year. Right. So uh, I don't know, maybe some regrets about that trade. Um, Christian Yelich has been absent from the Brewers starting lineup for the last few days due to back spasms. You might remember that he missed a full seven days of action between late April and early May, also with a back issue. Uh, Yelich says this one is different. Uh, Brewers manager Craig Council kind of shot back at a reporter Wednesday who, who used the word chronic when describing uh, the back problem. So maybe there is nothing to see here. Um, the reigning National League MVP hit a home run in the last game he played in uh, Sunday against the Braves. So it's not like there are a bunch of red flags here in his performance. Um, he's still got a crazy stat line, batting 325 with a 440 on base percentage, 732 slug. Uh, in 44 games this year, 19 home runs, 41 RBIs, some steals, 40 runs scored. Um, so there's some frustration here for fantasy owners, I think, with the ongoing back problems and the fact that you know, the Brewers aren't placing him on the IL. They're just kind of letting him rest uh, for weeks at a time, stretches of days at a time. But at least you're getting a ton of production from him when he does play. Um, and it sounds like he could be back in there this weekend against the Phillies. Uh, ben Gamble has seen an uptick in playing time uh, when Yelich is down, but I don't think there's any real fantasy appeal there outside of like DFS bargain play type stuff. Well, it was an interesting week for the Mets um, <laughs> in many, many, many ways. Uh, coming off a sweep at the hands of the Marlins, it looked like Mickey Calloway could be fired. I personally thought he would be, but um, the Mets gave him the old vote of confidence instead on Monday afternoon. And at that same time, it was revealed that Ioannis Cespedes, who's been rehabbing from surgery on both of his heels, suffered multiple ankle fractures by falling into a hole on his ranch. Uh, he underwent season-ending surgery on Thursday. I'd say they reached peak Mets with that one, but every time I say that, something more ridiculous happens, so I'm going to hold off on that. Anyway, Cespedes' season is over, like I said, and at this point, it's fair to wonder what to expect from him moving forward. If anything, Cespedes is still owed $29.5 million next year in the final year of his four-year $110 million contract. That deal obviously hasn't worked out as hoped. I mean, every Mets fan wanted the Mets to sign Cespedes and bring him back, so you can't you know, say you regret it necessarily. Um, it's sort of Monday morning quarterbacking with that one, uh, but obviously he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yep. Let's um, go Mets. Yeah. Uh, I can't really talk because the Cardinals are in a complete free fall. Yeah, they've, they've faded a bit. Um, and, of course, the Mets completed a four-game sweep of the Nationals on Thursday afternoon. So uh, crazy stuff going on. The Marlins have won six in a row. So the NL East is, is really weird right now. Uh, more Mets injury news, though. We said on last week's show Michael Conforto suffered a concussion. He started to ramp things up over the past couple of days and is said to be symptom-free. So it might not be much longer before he's back. And the Mets could certainly use the help as Robinson Cano, Jeff McNeil, and Brandon Nimmo all hit the injured list this week. This wraps up a crazy few days for Cano, who was right in the middle of the Conforto concussion last Thursday. He had a couple of instances where he didn't hustle uh, down the baseline that received a ton of attention. Cano was held out of the lineup Monday before hitting a pinch hit double, which I believe was his fastest trip to second base in something like three years, StatCast uh, data. So the message, I guess, was received... But 
Cano also hustled on an innocent grounder during Wednesday's game before he pulled up lame with left quad tightness, and that necessitated a trip to the injured list on Thursday, so this all wrapped up pretty perfectly. Injures himself hustling down the line. As for McNeil, he suffered a left hamstring strain on Wednesday and was, re- and was placed on the injured list Thursday. It's worth noting that he was already dealing with some abdominal tightness, so I think it's just for the best to, to give him some rest. Hopefully he's ready after 10 days. As for Nimmo, he originally hurt his neck over a month ago, left a game on April 16th, missed a couple of games from there, but came right back. He's been terrible in that time, hitting 171 with a 536 OPS over his last 26 games, so the nagging issue provides some context for his struggles at least. An MRI on Wednesday revealed inflammation in his neck, but there's no real timetable for his return. With all those guys out, we're going to see more of Rajay Davis and Carlos Gomez. Davis with a pinch hit three-run homer in his first at-bat with the Mets on Wednesday. Gomez with the go-ahead three-run homer on Thursday, which was pretty fun to watch. But the guy I'm most interested in from a fantasy perspective is J.D. Davis. Acquired from the Astros over the winter, Davis has swung the bat well this year, had another hit Thursday against the Nats while making the start in left field. Definitely notable there. He's now hitting 283 with a 352 on base percentage and a 469 slugging percentage. Five homers, six doubles, 14 RBIs, and just 125 plate appearances. Still hits too many balls on the ground, but he also hits the ball really hard. If you look at things like average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, um, he rates pretty highly in those areas, even dating back to his time with the Astros. So I'm definitely intrigued uh, to see more from him in the coming days. So if you're in a deeper league, Maybe you need a corner infielder. I think Davis is definitely worth a stash. So whew, that's that's the long list of Mets injuries. I'm leaving Jason Vargas out of this. I'm not even going to talk about him. I had to look back uh, and see who the Astros and Mets traded uh, in that J.D. Davis deal. Like, I don't even remember it really. Yeah, it kind of it was really under the radar. And I, I think if anything, I know Brody Van Wagenen's sort of the big moves that he's made. I mean, Edwin Diaz has been fine, but, you know, Jed Lowry hasn't played yet. Robbins Gano has been terrible. Jerry's Familia yeah. hasn't been that great. Wilson Ramos hasn't lived up to expectations. But the depth moves that he's made have really paid off nicely. You know, Davis, even the guys who just got called up in recent days, minor league depth uh, has come in handy, especially during this time where they're, missing a ton of outfielders and the Mets actually uh, claimed Aaron Altair off waivers from the Giants on Thursday as well so he's likely going to be on the active roster on Friday Um, so someone who was pretty good with the Phillies a couple of years back I'm not sure about fantasy relevancy but uh, another depth piece as they try to you know wade their way through all these injuries all right now to some positive injury news Uh, (laughs) Jose Altuve took a successful round of on-field batting practice Wednesday and is supposed to head out on a minor league rehab assignment this weekend, maybe beginning Friday, uh, then probably returns to the Astros active roster sometime early to, to middle of next week, assuming you know there are no setbacks in those minor league games. He's been on the injured list since May 11th with a left hamstring strain. Um, he'll return to an, an Astros team that is you know, pretty much on a tear. I think they lost on Wednesday, but uh, they have a seven and a half game lead in the American League West standings, just kind of running away from from the pack. Uh, Ledmus Diaz played really well in Altuve's absence. You could maybe start seeing more action at fir- first base uh, when Altuve's back to playing second base every day. The Astros are 
you know, getting great production from just about every part of their roster, from the rotation to the bullpen to pretty much every position on the field, um, except except for first base, where there's currently a combined 732 OPS. Uh, thank you, Tyler White, for making me look like an idiot all spring. Um, he finally hit a homer the other day. I, I saw that, like the day after I dropped. Um, Diaz has an 824 OPS with five home runs and 22 RBIs and 28 games played this season. Um, I don't, I don't know if you can count on him getting regular playing time moving forward. The Astros have a lot of options at first base. Um, they could call up Jordan Alvarez at any moment. Um, so I don't know if Diaz should be fantasy relevant once Altuve comes back, but you know, good news in general for Altuve owners. More AL West news here. Andrew Heaney, uh, I mentioned him last week, but here's another reminder. Heaney's been out all season with an elbow injury, but he's closing in on a return to the Angels. Heaney threw four and a third scoreless innings in AAA on Monday, struck out 10 batters, and allowed just two hits and one walk in his 73 pitches. It's possible he could join the Angels rotation as soon as Sunday against the Rangers. Alternatively, the Angels could opt for an opener to start that day instead, pushing Heaney back until next week, but... Still, he needs to be stashed really wherever he's available, much like I said last week. As of Thursday afternoon, Heaney was still available in 50% of Yahoo leagues. So if your rotation is struggling, you need a back-end kind of guy on your staff, I think Heaney's a, a great pickup right now. I liked that the Angels signed Trevor Cahill and, and Matt Harvey to those you know, relatively high-dollar one-year deals this winter. You know, like They had a need and addressed it, but... And there's no such thing as like a bad one-year deal for teams that are worth billions of dollars. But, man, they've both been terrible. ERAs in the sixes for both Cahill and Harvey. Um, so they, they really need Heaney to, to come back and stay healthy. For sure. Um, Scooter Jeanette told reporters on Tuesday that he's hoping to join the Reds' active roster within the next couple of weeks. He's been out all season with a severe groin strain that he suffered near the tail end of spring training. Uh, but he's doing daily infield drills right now. Uh, started swinging a, a bat earlier this week. Uh, did some T work. Uh, so maybe he gets out on a minor league rehab assignment like toward the end of next week. It could be a lengthier one uh, since he's been out so long. Uh, but I think he's worth bringing up on this week's injury focus show because he's currently owned in just 57% of Yahoo leagues, 45% of ESPN leagues. And I think he's definitely worth stashing if he's out there and you have an open IL spot. Um, the stats, I mean, he batted 303 with an 859 OPS, 50 home runs and 189 RBIs in 295 games between 2017 and 2018. Um, we know he can hit. He's in a great ballpark for power. He's probably going to be a big-time trade candidate as we move closer to the July 31st deadline, uh, given that he's due to become a free agent in the winter and I, they've had contract extension negotiations, but I, it doesn't seem like they've gotten very far. Um, and the Reds are looking like a non-contender despite all the moves they made over the offseason with 2019 in mind. Um, so they're going to be very active at the deadline, I would imagine. Um, being dealt away from Great American Ballpark could you know, definitely hurt Jeanette's value um, and, and potential fantasy production. But maybe he lands in you know another gooding, good hitting environment on a contending team with a, a, a good lineup spot, that could certainly happen. Again, if you've got an open IL spot and he's available, I, I, I say stash him. Definitely. And another player to stash right now, Jimmy Nelson with the Brewers. Uh, I actually featured him in Waiver Wired on Thursday. 
Uh, we heard we last heard from Nelson way back in 2017. His breakout season had a 3.49 ERA in 29 starts, 199 strikeouts, and 48 walks in 175 and a third innings. But it all came to a screeching halt on a headfirst slide back into first base. Nelson tore his labrum and suffered a strained rotator cuff. Needed surgery, which kept him out for all of last year as he was rehabbing. Then he dealt with an elbow issue this spring, which required an injection. But he was recently able to begin a minor league rehab assignment with AAA San Antonio. And Nelson was so-so over his first couple of starts. But he really hit his stride in his most recent one last Friday. Five and two-thirds scoreless frames with eight strikeouts and just one walk. Got stretched out to 86 pitches in that one. He has another start scheduled for Thursday night, actually going up against Astros prospect Forrest Whitley. But assuming all goes well there, you'd have to think he'd be cleared to join the Brewers next week with a possible debut against the Pirates. That's going to be an iffy start right away in fantasy leagues. And I really don't know what to expect from Nelson at this point because shoulders just suck in general. But I definitely think he's worthy of stashing in an IL spot and at least seeing what he looks like out of the gate, things like velocity. Um, But he's still available in about 80% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon. So chances are he's out there in your league. Uh, You know, if you don't have anybody in an IL spot right now or you have some roster flexibility, uh, I really like him as a potential upside play. Yeah, it's easy to forget how good he was in 2017 because he's been out of the picture for so long. Well, the Brewers could definitely use him in their rotation as they try to chase down the Cubs, who've really turned things on recently. I know you wanted to get into some bullpen updates, but another quick thing here on the Indians, they designated Carlos Gonzalez for assignment this week. Cargo hit just 210 with two homers and a 558 OPS in 30 games with Cleveland. I guess it was worth it just to see what was in the tank there, but just didn't work out. And now I assume we'll see a lot more of Oscar Mercado, which is a good thing if you scooped him off waivers last week or put down a bunch of fab money. Mercado is 5 for 21 with three doubles and three RBIs in his call-up. Hasn't stolen a base yet, but definitely has that element in his game. And one of the main reasons you'd pick him up in a deeper mixed league. So uh, good news there for Mercado, who obviously... Uh, it's a bit more exciting from a fantasy perspective than Cargo at this point. Yeah, Carlos Gonzalez at Coors Field, lifetime, 328 batting average, 993 OPS, and then everywhere else in OPS in the low 700s. Hmm. Um, I forget who tweeted this, but the the Indians were talking about calling up Deonor Navarro uh, when Roberto Perez suffered a concussion earlier this week. It, it didn't wind up happening. Um, but somebody on Twitter was like, do we really live in a world where Deonor Navarro's playing career is going to outlast Carlos Gonzalez's? I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, and it looks like Bradley Zimmer might also be back with yep. the Indians fairly soon. I don't know if he's going to be a mixed league guy when he comes up because he was pretty bad. I uh, hope so. But, um, but yeah, I mean, not far removed from being considered a, a top prospect and a building block for the Indians. So he's someone to watch, too, once he comes back up. Um, all right, a little more closer report stuff, and then then we'll get to some more waiver wire targets. Uh, Sean Kelly earned saves on back-to-back days for the Rangers this Wednesday, this Tuesday and Wednesday, um, was activated off the injured list on Tuesday afternoon, which is pretty interesting because Jose LeClerc has pitched a whole lot better lately, been very good over his last four outings, and you'd think they'd want to put him back into the closer spot immediately now that he's showing that he's kind of over the command issues that plagued him in April. 
Uh, but Leclerc has been used a lot earlier in games, even served as the Rangers opener last Friday against the Cardinals. He pitched the fifth and sixth the other day, so kind of a multi-inning role too. Um, so maybe manager Chris Woodward is rethinking Leclerc's role in general. Um, we'll just kind of have to see. Kelly has been awesome this season, missed some time after needing surgery to remove the lymph nodes from his throat, but he has a 1.69 ERA, 0.81 whip, 14 strikeouts and in 16 innings. I think definitely worth picking back up if, if people in your league dropped him when he landed on the IL. I don't really know what to tell Leclerc owners. I'm, I guess he's getting strikeouts and, and working multiple innings, you know, actually helping your ERA now rather than taking tanking it. But um, we'll see if he gets back to, to, to picking up saves, too. I don't know. Um, and then I think Sean Newcomb of the Braves is a smart pickup right now if he's still available. He's taken really well to the move uh, to the bullpen. Eight and a third scoreless innings with eight strikeouts and zero walks. Uh, earned his first career save on Monday. Uh, or maybe that was Tuesday. Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Um, Luke Jackson has been the Braves' primary closer since Erodis Vizcaino underwent season-ending shoulder surgery and then was traded as kind of a salary dump to the Mariners. A.J. Minter uh, got some looks, but he's he, he has a shoulder issue of his own, and he's in the minors right now because he did not pitch well. Uh, but Luke Jackson has struggled in his last two appearances, got absolutely hammered on Tuesday in San Francisco, um, Newcomb, we know the stuff is good. You know, former first round pick, top twenty prospect, top twenty prospect, um, had a decent year as a starter last year, but just really couldn't get over the hump with his command and in that rotation role. It seems like a different look and a different feel has really helped his command. Like I said, zero walks and eight and a third scoreless innings of re- relief so far. I think he might turn into like a real waiver wire treasure if he runs away with the ninth inning job. The Braves are a good team. I think they'll be in contention all year. Uh, lots of save chances there for him possibly moving forward. And I think he, the way it all lays out for him, I, I think he can do exactly that as far as running away with the job. Uh, what's interesting about the Braves is they have so many really intriguing young arms that it always made sense that one of those guys – could potentially move to the back end of the bullpen and make a big impact. Yeah, they kind of should have done it earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting it to be Newcomb, but um, he's taken in the role so far. Um, we'll see if he can keep that control together. Um, but if he can, uh, you know, I think he definitely has the stuff to succeed. Anything else? No, that's all I got. Pedro <laughs> Strope is on his way back. Um, I was going to break that down, but I just I really don't know what the Cubs are going to do. I think Joe Madden is is kind of content now to mix and match. I I don't know that he's going to be locked in at closer. Yeah, Steve Cishek has been really yeah, good. Yeah, Cishek's been in. good. Yep, he, he has been good. Um, one thing I want to mention here because I was just looking at the the Twins and Angels score. Matt Harvey knocked out in the third inning, gave up eight runs. Oh um, now has a seven five zero ERA through ten starts. So I, I had to adjust my number that I said earlier. Yeah, dear God. That's yeah. that's sad. That's, that is sad. Um, we're going to finish up here with some waiver wire recommendations. I have two from my waiver wired column, which comes out every Thursday. Go to rotoworld.com to check that out. I'll start out here with Scott Kingery, was still available in almost 70% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday morning. Kingery, of course, was a popular waiver wire pickup a few weeks back. Hit the injured list with a strained right hamstring, unfortunately, but back to full health now and. He's actually been playing a lot of center field recently with Odebel Herrera uh, going on the bench there. Herrera really hasn't hit dating back to the start of last year. 
Michael Franco has also really dropped off. I know he was sort of a trendy name for the first couple weeks of the season, but he's struggled over the past month or so. So you look at the opportunity there between the center field and third base. It really looks like Kingery's going to get a chance to play here. I know how much Kingery struggled as a rookie last year, um, but also keep in mind he was learning shortstop on the fly, a position he never really played. Still has that prospect pedigree on his side, still really young. So I think he's someone worth taking a chance on in most formats um, just to see how things play out. A great lineup there in Philadelphia. It also helps from a fantasy perspective that he's eligible at three different positions. So someone who can be a mix and match guy uh, whenever he's in the lineup. So I definitely think worthy of a pickup right now. Um, The other one is Ian Desmond with the Rockies. He was still available in over 60% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday morning. Desmond went one for three with a double and a run scored on Thursday against the Pirates after Charlie Blackman exited the game, as you mentioned earlier. It doesn't seem like a big thing, but then again, who knows? Um, Certainly a situation to monitor in fantasy leagues. The overall numbers for Desmond aren't great, but he's hitting 361, 13 for 36 over his last 11 games, two homers in that time, six RBIs, nine runs scored. And I think what's most encouraging about Desmond so far is that his fly ball rate is way up from last year. He was at 37.5% entering play on Thursday. He was just at 21.5% last year, which is just crazy low. Meanwhile, his barrel percentage has nearly doubled from where it was last year. So if the at-bats are there and any absence to Blackman would clinch that for sure, Desmond needs to be rostered in all formats. He should probably be scooped up even if Blackman's fine, honestly. Like I said earlier, the Orioles are coming to Coors Field this weekend, so um, that should definitely be fun. Um, Try to get in on the action there in fantasy leagues, and one way you can do that is to add Desmond. And then on the Orioles, uh, Keon Broxton, I think, might be back on the fantasy radar, at least in like deeper leagues, definitely AL-only formats. He was traded from the Mets to the O's on Wednesday for $500,000 in international spending money. Uh, Broxton had really struggled this season with the Mets, 143, 208, 163 batting line and 53 plate appearances. But the playing time was sporadic, and I think he could see something close to everyday playing time. Uh, with the Orioles, you know, they're re- rebuilding. Might as well see what he has. Um, their outfield hasn't done a whole lot besides Trey Mancini. Um, the last time he was an everyday player in 2017 with the Brewers, he had a 2020 season, 20 home runs, 21 stolen bases in 143 games. Um, we've talked all show. The Orioles play at Coors Field this weekend. That that could benefit Broxton as well as it benefits the Rockies who get to go bombs away on the Orioles pitching staff. The Orioles might set the record for home runs allowed by the end of July. I mean, that's the pace <laughs> yeah, they're on. That's true. Which, yeah. Um, I think Broxton is a is a useful guy to potentially add. I think his defense, um, you know, could provide value to the Orioles as well and justify the playing yeah. time. They definitely need some help in center field. Cedric Mullins, they had expectations for coming into the year, um, but that didn't really work out. So Broxton could slide in there in center field. Oh, he's going to strike out a ton, but you know if he could play good defense and provide some pop and speed, um, I definitely think he could be worthy of adding, certainly in AL-only leagues and, and maybe even some deeper mixers as well. So yep. I think that'll do it for this week. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I know you always hear this kind of thing on podcasts, but those positive ratings and reviews really make a huge difference. 
We put a lot of time into preparing for the show and editing it as well. So if you could help us out, we'd really appreciate it. This stuff makes a big difference in terms of spreading the word. You can find me on Twitter at DJ Short, Drew's at Drew Silv, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.